Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening, and also thank my contributors to the show, who are executive producer Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and Damien Keller, Binaural Production Engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find a whole bunch of info there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Elioim Lifar, and he has written quite a few books, actually. Uh, the one that I'm looking at here right now is Manifestation Magic. 21 Rituals, Spells, and Amulets for Abundance, Prosperity, and Wealth. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Gary, for the invitation. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. So, what got you into the occult or magic? Uh, I come from Amazon, Venezuela, where usually tourists visit to try ayahuasca and cacao and tobacco mm -hmm. ceremonies and all of these things. So, uh, is the path that you follow when you are in the family. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't found it. I, was, I just was there. So I, I have it easy in that way. Hmm. So in Venezuela, is there um, a, like a lot of shamans there? In, in Amazon. In Amazon, in uh, Amazon. We, use, we use the umbrella word of shaman that is from Siberian. Uh, it's a practice that comes from Asia. Uh, but we use the word because we have around 600 years using that term. Uh, after the colonization, when colonizers come to Amazon and they identify the natives using uh, similar practices, they, they just call them shamans. So uh, we use a similar word that is shaman with C. Uh, I, I just clarified that idea because I know that sometimes bring a uh, misconception. Some people don't like that we use the, the word shaman, mm -hmm. but we have 600 years using it. It's part of, now it's part of our culture. Yeah. And actually we have a different root of the um, of the word, um, the word shaman in Spanish, with C, uh, come from the word chamarrero, that is a uh, practice very ritualist, ritualistic in Venezuela. And chamarreros come from a, a root, a plant that grows ar around the Orinoco River. Is uh, This plant uh, called chama is a plant that we use to create some kind of um, ecstasy uh, situation in the rituals. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a similar route. Uh, also, we know that historically, uh, probably, Siberians arrived in America before the colonization. So it's probably we have uh, the same background, but we don't have anything right about it. Right. So are there any connections with the uh, type of um, magic or in healing that they do in the Amazon? Um, versus things like Wicca and ritual magic? Not too much, uh, not too much, uh, because most of the practice of the natives is, this is the thing, uh, it's two parts of magic uh, that are totally different in Amazon. 
One part is the native magic, that is the is some kind of way of sorcery or spiritual practice that be, uh, stay there before the colonizers. Uh, is um, how I can say this is more a raw practice. It's totally natural. It's more common. It's less ritualistic. It's everything based on connect with the spirits, connect with the nature, with the trees, with the river. Don't put names in the gods and these kind of things. And for the other side, we have the Afro-Caribbean traditions. The Afro-Caribbean traditions are totally different. Uh, it's a totally different brand. We have Kimbanda, Umbanda, Candomblé, Lukumi, Mayombe. We have all of these practices that are Afro-Caribbean, and they have a very strong foot there in Brazil, in Venezuela, in Colombia, in these parts of Latin America. So we have these two brands. Wicca is a little modern. Either mm -hmm. it's pretty new. Interesting. Do they use anything like uh, voodoo or bruja there? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, actually, it's pretty interesting because I know that <clears throat> the way how we see voodoo now is very about the perspective of New Orleans. Uh, it's essentially New Orleans is the way give the form that voodoo has now. But when you have the opportunity to travel to Amazon and visit the tribes, and you see, <clears throat> sorry, and you see the, the kind of practical religion that, that we do in there. Uh, we put different names, but the practice is very similar to the voodoo in New Orleans. And that's very interesting because when you read about voodoo, you always go to the history of, of these different characters, uh, um, black people, uh, Titua, mm -hmm. who was from the tribes, she comes from, from South America. And when you see the practice, of Buddha in New Orleans, and you see the practice of magic in Amazon. They are pretty similar. Their rituals are very similar. The symbolism is very similar, but with a different language. But when you see them, it's like you are watching the twins in front yeah. of you. That That's very amazing. Yeah. I find that there's always some common denominators between all different types of magic that come from around the world. <laughs> um, so how did you train? Did you train in the Amazon? Did you train with somebody um, else? I trained, I did my first training in Amazon with the Guayu tribe because my grandma belonged to the tribe. Mm -hmm. I was with the Guayu after nine or 11 years, uh, we moved to the city. So when we moved, my mom started in the practice of Afro-Caribbean magic. So my mom started to uh, have these initiations in spiritualist in Santeria, in Umbanda. I was initiated in Candomblé first in Brazil, and then I was initiated in Lukumi in Venezuela. And it's essentially that is a lot of learning from the books, because to be initiated, you need to learn all the language, you need to learn all the folklore, you need to learn all the lore. But also you need to um, have a domain of the tools, the practice, uh, not just the language. You need to know all the history that is in there. You can just yeah. throw in the initiation. They, they, they don't let you mm -hmm. make it easy. So, so it took a lot. Um, so what type of um, ceremonies and things did you have to learn in the beginning? Like when, when you started this path, uh, was it were you doing spells and amulets and... Uh, things like that right off the bat? Or was there sort of a period where you had to spiritually cleanse yourself 
first before we're able to move into the other stuff. This is a really nice history. Uh, I remember the first ritual where I participated, I was very young, I think I was 11 or nine. Uh, I remember the circle, I remember the, the people, uh, the, the, I remember the chants, the rituals, the, the smoke, the, the liquors that people was drinking. Uh, for me, it was something normal that adults do in there because it's what you, do you see around. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in there. When they moved me to the city, I uh, I feel like Tarzan in New York. I feel like that in the city of Caracas. I just turn there and everybody's Catholic and you have the church and you need to speak in, totally in Spanish. And it's so, it, I mean, the, the contrast between the woods and the city is, is overwhelming. And I pass for that again when I moved to New York City, it's, it's overwhelming again. Uh, I remember when I did that ritual, uh, I was a participant. When I grew up, I understand that they were initiating me in the tradition of the tribe. And I was like, oh, and this is something that they do with everybody. When I moved to the city, I noticed that not everybody practices in religion. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I understand that the things that we do normally, that for us is like uh, pretty normal for people outside these rituals and the spells. So when, when we do it, it's we don't put a name on that. We just do it like, oh, you want you need to be married very soon, so you you need to try to grow this plant very close to the river, dry the plant, make this bag with the plant, pass this uh this herbs and root for all your body for three nights in a row, and you do all of these rituals. So in one or two moons, you will have a lover with you to marry. Mm -hmm. And when you move to the city, this is not something normal. This is a spell. We, we put names on that, but for, but when you are uh, in Amazon, this is uh, we we don't call it spells or rituals. We just say that is something that we do. This. Mm -hmm. So, so is, is it more like a tradition? Exactly, exactly. It's, it's more tradition. It's less religious. It's not so many rules. It's just things that they teach you and you do it. Um, it's very interesting when you see uh, people coming, the tourists. Tourists come to to Amazon to practice all kinds of rituals, to find themselves, to try cacao and tobacco, um, to bats in the river, or you see um, anthropologists, people coming to study the tribes and this kind of thing. And you see all of that, and they, they are the people who put names on it. They say, oh, they are doing a ritual, and we are like, oh, okay, we don't know that this is a ritual, we just do it. Mm -hmm. We just assume that we know what we are doing. They come and they say to you, oh, you are doing an amulet. And we're like, oh, yeah, we charge these rocks or these plants for uh, protection or to avoid with the enemies or for, hate, for healing. Uh, but we don't put a name on it. That is something that other people do for us. Right. So, so it's for you guys, it's just natural. So... When you move from, from, you know, like living out in sort of like the jungle in the woods to the city, was it difficult for you to stay connected to that like natural form of magic or tradition? I don't miss the mosquitoes. You don't miss the mosquitoes? I don't miss that. <laughs> I assure you. And my family, uh, they are mother, I repeat that, but I, I, 
I can show you, I don't really miss that. Uh, it's, feels weird, but maybe because I was, I, I was so young. So, you know, when you are a child and people are just teaching you, this is good, this is bad, this is mm -hmm. good, this is water. Feels like that. I, I just feel like I was doing all of this uh, all my life. And in that moment was nine or 11. Oh, I'm doing this all my life. And they, they, they put you in the bus and the next day you are in the city. And now we live here. Now you need to act in this way. Now you can dress in this way. Now you can't speak about the things that we do in there. Um, now you need to go to a different school with different people. So uh, it's like everything that you learned the first 11 years of your life, you need to unlearn all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so feels weird. Uh, the connection is difficult. I think it was difficult, especially for my family, because I was very young. Uh, my fam I, I am the younger uh, in the family. So was complicated because I was in a new school with new children. Uh, obviously, I was bullied because I, I don't know uh, many things that they usually do. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I adapt very fast. I don't want to say that they uh, that was dramatic. No, uh, they bullied me at the first like weeks, but after some time, I just adapt and oh, this is how they do the things here. Okay, I am who need to adapt, not them. And um, after understand that was pretty easy. Uh, find the connection takes uh, a long time because, for example, you um, you used to go to the river every morning to take your bath or to look for water or to visit your grandma who lives next to the river. Uh, now you are in the city, you have an uh, elevator, you have this electric uh, escalators, uh, electric steps, and every, everything is technological, so um, feels weird, feels mm -hmm. really weird, feels like you are in a museum and everything is like so fascinating, but at the same time it's like you can't touch anything, people don't speak with you, every time everybody's running, it's something like that. Hmm. Interesting. So when you move, when did you start um, writing books and sharing your knowledge with other people and what motivated you to do it i i i i not plan that uh, uh i know that many colleagues do that oh i want to start writing books no it was my plan i was i used to marketing and i had the opportunity to work in a, for a publisher in venezuela uh, in the publisher, I was in the marketing department. I had the opportunity to meet a lot of authors, local authors. Um, everybody knows uh, in the company that I was very involved with magic, with sorcery, with this stuff. So every time that they saw that they has a new book on this area, uh, a new that was translated to Spanish from an uh, American or Britannic author, they always give me the book for gift. Uh, <laughs> I have a little collection of, of these books in, in, in my office, in my apartment. That's cool. Uh, I noted that many times the books not was related with it that we, that we do. For example, you read, you read these books about Wicca. Uh, sounds pretty interesting, but you are in a country that is not this, that is not South America. It's in the Ecuador. So. You don't have winter, you don't have summer, you don't have spring, you don't have anything of this. Uh, uh, so you read all of this book with all of this uh, 
idealizing conception about the seasons, about the male god and the moon goddess and the winter come and it's the darkness and we're celebrating <laughs> the dead and the life and blah, blah, blah. And you are in the middle of the summer in December. <laughs> and it's hot all the year and you have roses everywhere. And uh, I mean, I, I never see snow before that I come to USA. So mm -hmm. you read really books and you feel like these people are selling books in my country, but nobody here really identify with this. So I, uh, I have this idea to try to write something for myself, and I just started, and one thing take one thing take to other. I write a book in Spanish for a local publisher, then I write uh, a translation of the book in English for Germany, then I started to write for uh, a, a print in Mexico, and after that, I come with Weiser books in USA, so I was evolving step by step, very uh, in a very calm way. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. So you sort of started out translating other people's books, and then went into writing your own. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. But yeah, uh, because in, this is the thing in USA, uh, and I really like this. It's a lot of cultural read books. It's so much about collect your books and you, you go to Instagram and you see these people, uh, they, they take pictures of their, of their books, their libraries in home and it's all of these uh, beautiful conception about, oh, look, all the books that I have and I'm reading all of these and my life is so great because I'm reading so much. And in Latin America, you know, uh, the economy is complicated, uh, social system is complicated, it's not too much pressure to read books, it's more like um, you go, you send your children to the school if you have the time to send them and if you have the money to have balance in your life and send the children. But not all the children in Latin America has the opportunity to go to the school. So it's not so much promotion of the books. So you don't see many local authors because we don't have many publishers. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, we don't have many books in, for that reason. So we always have just translation of books in English books from Britannic authors, American authors, uh, European authors, translate to Spanish, and not many uh, Latin American writers writing in Spanish, hmm. because it's not, it's in some ways, not part of our culture. Interesting. Um, the, one of the common themes that, that I find usually in a lot of folk magic is ancestral worship. Is there any of that in your tradition? Sorry, I don't understand them. Uh, one, one of the common themes I found in like a lot of folk magic is um, ancestral like worship, like you know, worshiping like uh, great grandparents, great great grandparents, like lineage. Like, and you call upon their spirits to to assist you. Yeah, that that depends on the tradition where where you are. Uh, um, because when we speak about magic, I think that I refer to that in the book. I I. I well, I write something like whatever you try to ask about magic to someone else, every author will have always a different conception. Someone will to say you that magic is something that just you have. Someone else will to tell you that magic comes from your ancestors. Someone else will to tell you that uh, magic comes from the gods or the goddesses or the orishas. Or it always has a different background depending on the religion and, and the spiritual path that everyone takes. Um, the Thing. The, the way how I see ancestry is not a way to take power, it's more a way to venerate the people who come 
before me because yeah. they have a most difficult life than mm -hmm. me. We, we always listen this speech about, oh, life was good before, but they don't have uh, all the technology that, that we have. They don't have all the medicines that, that we have. People die of fever. Uh, they don't have the medicine. They don't have the, the knowledge. Man. They don't have the access that, that we have to all of these things. But in the end of the day, they survived. They were very strong. They continue doing their job. They continue trying to live. They continue trying to move around the world. And that leave us where we are, where we are in this moment. So I find that very uh, inspiring. So my way to venerate or connect with my ancestors you know, is never to ask something from them. Hmm. It's just I light my candles for them. I pray for them. I remember their names. I memorize their, their names. And I'm trying to live in a way that I can honor the things that they don't have the possibilities to do in their life because their life were, were totally more difficult. For example, my grandma, she never learned to read. She never uh, read books because uh, she don't have the opportunity to, to do these things. Uh, so I try to, to learn. I try to read more books. I try to uh, do that kind of things that they don't have the possibilities or the opportunities to do when they were here. That's awesome. That's a great way to sort of pay tribute to them is to be able to do some of the things that they were not able to do. Yes, because most of the books that, uh, that I find is just witches are looking for power, witches are looking for power. And uh, it's okay, but this is not an episode of Supernatural, not every day. You are not fighting demons. So sometimes you can use magic in other ways. Uh, you can call to your ancestors, to your grandpa, uh, and just, you know, I, I understand that you have a very difficult life. So uh, you have the opportunity to stay here uh, uh, more time if you want. Now you are dead, so you can stay around my home if you want. If you want to give me a sign or something, please, I am here. I listen to you, but I don't ask them for anything. I just let them stay in total peace. I put candles for them. I put incense for them. I put uh, perfumes in the altars, in their names, uh, because I think that the power comes when you have a real balance, a real connection with everything around you, when you are so mm, connected with all, with everything surrounding you that you feel like you are a mountain, you have your trees, you have your river, you have everything. So you don't care how strong is the wind, you are the mountain, you are in total calm there because you know that you have everything around. Mm -hmm. I feel in that way every day of my life. I, I go out and I know that my ancestors are, are with me, my orishas are with me, my spirits are with me. I just walk around totally in calm. I feel powerful in that way. I don't need to make a spell to feel powerful. I know that I am very good. Uh, I have a very good company around. <laughs> so um, working with you, like, like, do you believe like in spirit guides and angels and, and thing, you know? Yes. those type of things? I, be, I believe in everything. I believe in everything. Yes, uh, me too. If, if you come to my home and you tell me that you speak with rocks, I believe you, and I just to go to ask you, they make jokes, they sing. I believe in everything because I have the opportunity to, to see many uh, things in my life, mm -hmm. especially living with my mom. Uh, so she's a very... Uh, She's that typical witch that you see in TV shows. My mom is always learning about witchcraft. She, she has the cauldron and the hat and everything. Uh, and when you live with her, it's fascinating every day. You never are bored. And 
when I see so many things that now when someone tells me something, I don't have any reason to don't believe them. So I believe in, in everything. If you speak with me about gods, about the spirit, spirit guides, about ghosts, about uh, aliens or whatever, I believe you. I don't have any to, to say the contrary. Awesome. So, so you're very, very open to everything. Yes. And, that, and that probably makes it easier, I would think, um, for, for the practice of magic. Because if you're not open, how can you channel that energy? I, I have the theory. I have this theory that I, uh, I, I um, create or learn when I was with a friend of mine. Uh, she's very perfectionist. And many times she says that she's perfect and she don't make mistakes. And when we were in the college, every time that someone uh, comments something to her for, for good, she was always like, I don't make mistakes. I made everything perfect. And I remember that I told her in that moment, when you assume that you are perfect because you know everything, you immediately block yourself because you don't let that anything else comes to you, any knowledge, any new people, any new experience, because you assume that you know everything. So you're blocking yourself from different experience, from different perspective, from a different uh, view of the world. So it's better be imperfect and continue being open mind. Uh, I has 20 something years of practice. And I continue learning every day that I read a book. I'm, I was reading like two weeks ago, this book, um, this guy, uh, Vincent, he wrote uh, How Witchcraft Saved My Life. I was reading this guy, his first book, and I was like, wow, this, this, this guy really knows. Uh, when, when, you are, when you have some GRs, you are like a teacher. You identify when someone knows or not when you read their books. Sometimes you take the book and you are like, oh, this person really knows. This is a real spellcaster. And sometimes you take the books and you are like, yeah, this is a fake. And when I was reading his book, I was like, wow, this guy really knows the things that he's saying, and when I was reading the, the spell casting, the, the process that he takes, it was like, wow, this is something new for me. So if you are open to new ideas, you can be better mm -hmm. because you continue learning every day. If you just assume that you know everything, in the moment that you assume that you are perfect, in that moment you lost everything. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody knows everything, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> this whole process is a learning process. Um, so what type of spirituality do you, do you particularly follow? Like, like is, do you belong to a specific religion like Santeria or is there, is I it just was, um, I, I was initiated in, we call uh, Espiritismo Venezolano, it's Venezuelan Spiritualist. I was initiated there. I was initiated in Candomblé. I was initiated in Lukumi. Um, uh, I practice all of this. Uh, I don't see any any fight in my life for that. I, I, I venerate my ancestors, my spirits, and my religious in the same way. I consider myself Wiccan. I always say that um, because I believe in the in the power of the nature, the seasons. Th that was probably one of the reasons in my background why I decided to move to USA because I always feel like this. I need to to feel the season. I need to go and work in in, in the winter and know how fits the snow and try to um, connect with that magic. I need to, to do that. Uh, so I feel weakened. 
I venerate the, the seasons, I venerate the goddess, but in the same way I continue venerating everything else. Because any of oh, we can be mediums, we can be clairvoyants, we can see things, we can see uh, good stuff, but in the end, any of us die and come back. Mm -hmm. So we are not sure what happens really very, very beyond. Uh, so I, pre I prefer to stay open and has a very good relationship with who else, who, whatever who is out there waiting for me. Uh, I, I prefer be, be open for that. And uh, I, I don't see any problem on that. I know that people can be a little more uh, square minds. Uh, you need to stay here and you can move around. I prefer to be totally open mind. Uh, I, I believe that our faiths, I believe that our uh, health, I believe that our spirits, everything. I, I believe in, in Saint Germain. So mm -hmm. I, I prefer to keep my mind very open. That's awesome. So um, living in, are you in New York City now? Yeah, I'm in New York now. So in New York, do you find it difficult to find some of the supplies that you are using in um, the Amazon for your rituals? What I find difficult is the herbs, uh, because first of all, you need to learn uh, the different names of all of these plants, crystals, minerals, all of this in English. That's complicated. Um, because what is Artemisia here in the United States is not the same Artemisia in Venezuela. You has Artemisia and has Mugwort, and for us, both are the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, starting for the, for the language. And may, maybe for, for the reason of the seasons, we have, um, we, uh, in Venezuela or in Amazon, we live practically in a permanent summer. So roses and some kind of flowers, uh, some flower roses, these kind of summer flowers are all day, every day that you go to the city, you find this, this kind of plants. Here in USA, you know, it's a little more limited because you have the season. Mm -hmm. So for one side, um, it's nice because you have more variety of plants that we don't have in there, plants that grow up after winter. For, for example, tulips, we don't have that. But at the same time, uh, force you to learn more because now, for example, I have jars from the last year. So if I want to uh, do a ritual in the middle of the winter, but I need to do this ritual for uh, light, uh, fire magic, I take this jar full of dry roses uh, that I take from the first bloom in the last summer. Mm -hmm. So force you to be a better witch because in the end you collect a lot of items. You have Drops uh, 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 water that you take in the season. You have water for, for the winter. You have water that you take in the summer. You have flowers from the spring. You have uh, different herbs and plants that you collect during during the, um, the autumn. So you have more variety of options to do different things here. Hmm. I never really thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah, because... because uh, People always assume that Venezuela and Brazil is South America, but we are in, in, in a very tropical zone, so we don't have winter. So, for example, tulips, something that here in say, you see all the spring, we never have that in our country. Actually, when we see uh, these tulips in the films, we just assume that, oh, look, they, they have plastic plants in the films, in the street, because it looks like plastic. Mm -hmm. And when you come here, oh, this plant is real. Tulips are real. 
uh, 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 we use it for good look, for love, for compassion, for different kind of casting. But that's a plant that we don't have in a, in a tropical place, for example. That's cool. So, so you actually have access to. How about like outdoor space to perform some of the ceremonies? Is that difficult here? That's the difficult part because uh, it's New York, so you can assume that everybody's like in, in the in their team. No, nobody sees you weird. I mean, we have Lady Gaga working in the street, so nobody can see you like you are doing something after that. Uh, but. When you are, for example, in Amazon, you are doing a ritual, you are in the Orinoco or you are in the Black River doing these rituals and people just pass around. People is very um, like respectful, in, including people from different tribes. People who come from a different tribe, they just see you doing your thing and they continue working, but they are very respectful. They, they, they salute you from the distance and they continue. Mm-hmm. He more curious when they see you doing something, you are dancing your ritual or you are with your drums or you are conjuring the song in, in the morning, people is more curious. So uh, it's a little uncomfortable because you see people starting to take you pictures and videos and it's very uncomfortable, it's very distracting. For example, I, I live very close to the park in Queens and you can go at 5 a.m. to see when the song uh, is arriving in the morning because it's so many people that I go like, oh, I want to try to take this time because it's 5 a.m., probably it's nobody in, uh, in the street, probably the place is totally alone. So I can sit down and do meditation and no, you can't do that. It's people running, it's people uh, doing exercises, people singing around and everybody with a smartphone, so it's very distracting. So that part is, is a little complicated. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. There's not much nature in New York City. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's Central Park in, in Manhattan. And I guess there's a few parks like around like Queens and yeah. Brooklyn and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But, but, but you but really have to travel. Yeah. Like, you either, you're going to have to travel like to up towards north, uh, upstate New York, like heading towards like um, Albany or something to really find nature. Exactly. It's not the same. It's, um, for example, uh, this, is, this is pretty nice. When, when, when tourists go to Amazon, to do anything and you know uh, imagine that you're living there and someone from france or from puerto rico or italy arrives and these people barely speak your language and they are with someone who they pay for the translation and they are like trying to don't lose themselves in the place because when you arrive there is uh, can be uh, overwhelming you see just goods and rivers and goods and rivers and you're like i can lost in a moment and i'm <laughs> very, very big i mean we should People assume that Amazon is a country. Amazon is not a country. Amazon is a place that we share with Brazil, with Venezuela, with Colombia. You can cross the frontier staying there. So something that we always say to, to tourists is, oh, this is the, the, the Orinoco River. So if you feel lost, this is the river. You will see we have signs around the river. So just follow the river and you will find a tribe or a town very close because all the, all the big tribes lives around the river. So you just walk around the river if you feel that you lost. Uh, you just need to remember where is the north, the south, the west, the west and the east. Uh, here in New York, that not happens. Here in New York is like, you have the signs everywhere, this is the park, this is the other park in there, and just that. <laughs> you have a lot of green. You, uh, it's many parks and gardens, but it's not the same. Oh, I'm an infinite garden. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, 
I'm originally from New Jersey, and I used to go to New York all the time. And now I live in Alabama, which is in the country. And it's almost, I mean, it's not as like the Amazon, but yeah, you, you can still drive pretty far without yeah. seeing another person or a street sign or, or anything. It's completely yes. different. Um, one of the t- main topics of your book seems to be using magic for people to help manifest happiness. That's a unique perspective that, I, I mean, I get I mean, there might be other books out there, but you're the first person I've interviewed, anyway, that has, has um, written about using, uh, using it that way. Um, how can people use uh, these rituals, amulets, and spells to create happiness in their lives? Yes, the, uh, this is the story of the book. This is the story. Once upon a time, uh, 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 when I grew up, I never speak about this because I was a little traumatized for the situation. Uh, but when I grow up, I just decide to, to speak. I, I go with a therapist and everything else. I grew up uh, very poor, in a very poor family, poor level. I mean, a, a home with just one room. Um, we are speaking about. 11 persons living in that little apartment with just one room and just mm-hmm. one person, and that was difficult. Uh, level, uh, or in the levels of just one food every day, uh, all the days in the week, that level of four. But at the same time, we continue having clients in home because my mom is a healer, a diviner. Uh, my sisters were like healers and diviners, and my grandma is a healer. So we have all of this clients arriving from different parts of the world yeah. and I see this so ironic that these people bring with money and you know who is always able to give you everything that you ask? A tourist. They give you everything. <laughs> you, you can ask how much money that you want and they go to give you that because when they see you, when they see I'm not trying to um, penalize or uh, say that we grow up uh, very bad but, but when you see how or can be the people you feel that you want something else, take this. And my mom, uh, is she has this very weird bypass in her life. She's always like, we are spiritual, we don't need money because we are so spiritual. We have food, we don't need anything else. And we are always struggling with money, we are always struggling uh, with the food, we were always struggling with, with health. We don't have insurance, we don't have a hospital very close. Uh, so you need money. And when I was a child, I remember seeing that in my mom and I was like, why is she continue acting like we don't need money when we are always struggling because we don't have it? Then when I moved to the city, I see that not was my mom, was everybody around, especially in these magical communities, in the Santeros community, in the spiritualistic community, in the metaphysical community. Uh, everybody is repeating the same speech over and over. Oh, we are spiritual, we don't need money. We are spiritual, we don't need money. Uh, but when you me, these people personally, all of these people is struggling to pay the rent, to pay the insurance, to pay the college, to pay for any healthy stuff. To, uh, if you don't have money, you can buy really good healthy food. So you end eating very bad things. So probably you will be very sick, so you need to pay insurance for that. Mm-hmm. You need money. So we repeat always. 
over and over this speech of Rumi that, oh, we are spiritual beings in a physical world, we are here temporary. And I say, yes, that's true. But while we are here temporary, we need to take advantage of that. If you will be here for 60 years or 70 years, try to live well. So I'm not saying that you need to be millionaire to be happy. You don't need it. But at least has uh, the physical will to live a decent life that you can pay for your rent without anxiety, without that thought in your mind, oh, you know, I need to pay the rent in two weeks and I don't have the money. It's so stressful. People want to take me to the streets. But, but I am okay because I'm spiritual. No, you, you can be spiritual and have money at the same time. It's not any problem about it. So with the time, I know that I was struggling when I was with my therapist. I noted that I was always repeating over and over the same speech of my mom. We are spiritual, so we don't need money. Um, money is bad, money is wrong, money is evil. I have that speech in my mind, totally memorized, like in a row. That every time that someone speaks about money, money is bad, money is wrong, money is the evil, money is the devil. And I, I have the same speech in like four different languages in my mind. So I remember that my therapist say, who thinks that, you or your mom? And it was like, no, my mom teach me that. I, in that moment, I, I just made this connection in my brain, like, wow. This is not something that I really believe, it's something that she believes. And she put in my mind, and I learned this nice word from my therapist. She says, Every time, everything that you have in your mind and don't belong to you is garbage, because it's something that is not useful. And when you have something in your home that is totally useless, you take that to the garbage, because you don't have any use in your home. Mm -hmm. So it can be a thought, can be a memory, but if it's not useful for you, is garbage. And what you do with the garbage, you take it outside. So I make a list of, of all this traumatic stuff that I have in my mind, uh, including uh, struggling with money. And I find that it has all of this system of belief so wrong. Uh, in Venezuela, we have the School of Metaphysics of Connie Mendes. She's a very popular author of metaphysics. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she wrote a lot of books about Saint Germain. I had the opportunity to assist to that school, and I remember the same speech in there. People was like, oh, we are spiritual, we are in the seventh ray, we meditate, we uh, work with our with auras and energy, and blah, 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 blah. And after the meeting, you see a lot of these people, oh, I have problems to pay the rent, I have problems with my car, I have problems with this, I have problems with that. So it's that double standard speech that I don't really tolerate, so I decided to be honest with myself. And when I come to New York, I have this story. Uh, I come without money, I come without clothes. I just have $15 in my pocket. That's the truth, I promise. I don't have any, any money, I don't have lawyers. I, I don't speak the language. I just started taking my English classes two years ago, in 2019. So I, I arrived in 2015, and I passed the first three years in New York just speaking Spanish. And remember, uh, and saying hi and goodbye. Mm -hmm. And without money, you can defend yourself. You can pay for a sentence. You can live in a nice place. You can buy healthy food. You can change your clothes. You can you can do things. You can help your family if you want, if you don't have money. And I come to New York to try to help my family because I was thinking if I am there, I will do more money so I can help all my family struggling in Venezuela. And was a moment when I had this horrible breakdown, 
Uh, I was trying to quit because I was uh, sleeping in, in a plaza in a square park in New York after three nights on the winter selling amulets in the streets. And I was like, how is it possible that I am initiating all of these parts of magic? How, I'm doing all of these rituals. I have so many clients. I'm doing so much work. Uh, the, I do readings and these clients always back. They always come back. And they always been their friends. They always been their family. So I, I should be a very good reader. And I continue struggling with, with money. So one night in this horrible winter of New York, in the plaza, like at 11 p.m., I was like, something is, is doing wrong. So I remember all the things that I learned with my therapist. And because I super anxiety, uh, so I go with my therapist a lot of times when I were in, in Venezuela. And I just decide to take all of these things and, okay, let me try to do all of this spell casting from a different perspective. Because we are always, oh, let me do this ritual for money. Let me put some green candles, put, put some honey in there, put some cinnamon and light the candles. And this will bring you money, you know, without any explanation. So I decided to analyze the rituals. I tried to change the system of beliefs and I create um, like a system of work in the book that consists essentially in trying to clean all your mindset from zero. And the book is starting there. The book starts with this very nice exercise that I recommend to my, to my students and readers. Uh, I, when, I, when we start a class, I always put this homework to them. Try to take a, a paper a pen, sit down, light a candle if you want, preparative if you want, and try to write down 11 or 21, depending on your time, 11 or 21 things that you think about money. And you will write down, oh, money is good, money is bad, money corrupts your soul, money is the, is the, is the worst, money corrupts the people, money breaks down families, money is blah, 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 blah. When you finish the list, please take a moment and now write down below every line why you think that. I think that money is wrong. Why? I think that money is not helpful. Why? I think that money is the evil. Why? I think that money breaks families and corrupts your soul and blah, blah, blah. Why you think that? And most of the time people write because my mom teach me that, because my dad teach me that. Because I grew up very poor and my dad tell me, uh, you need to work hard on your life. You need to work hard and you need to work, you need to work. And don't care how much money you have, it's never enough. You need to work for money because we live for the money. So try to put all of that. And after you read the, the list, you will know from where comes all of these thoughts that you have in your mind. And after that, you finally can see why you are struggling with money or with abundance, or with prosperity. And when you understand that you can start to read the rest of the book, to the rituals, because now you have a different mindset. You are not just doing superficial rituals based on empty spells that you don't understand. Now you understand how these spells work. So all the book is structured like a very big class. I put all of these exercise, rituals, meditations that you go um, over doing the practice day by day and all of this book is a preparation to do the 21 rituals that you find in the book so it, the 21 rituals is like the master in the end so you make mm -hmm. all of these 
the meditation, the homework, all of this stuff, and in the end, now we can work with the rituals because now you know where is the problem, why you are not receiving more in your life. Now you know why you are not manifesting your best in your life. Now you know why you are working and working and having two, three jobs at the same time and doing some money and in the end of the month you say, oh, I don't have any money, but I have three jobs. Now you will know why. Because many times we are blocking ourselves of the things that are trying to bring. In magic, we always say that love, oh, love is an energy. Protection, protection is an energy. Um, but I, but I is an energy. So we work with energies and we are energy workers and magic workers and everything else. When we speak about money, people are immediately, they bring the bypass, money is wrong. But everything else is an energy, why money not? What happens if you try to treat the money like an energy? I tried that and I literally starting to feel more comfortable with my life. I, I moved from, from to a different apartment. Uh, we finally has the money to pay for a car. I started to have much more clients. I started to have clients who pay me much more money. So all of this started to manifest in many ways. So in a moment, I just say, I need to teach all of this in some way. But I know that if I just record a class, someone can steal the material and do more money with that. So let me be smart first, let me write the book, and after that, I can give classes about it. And it's that. It's Essentially, I'm not trying to give you a book about the law, the law of attraction. It's not that. It's not a book about do spell working, spell working, spell working. No, it's we go to work together. We go to break your mindset. We go to see exactly what is happening in your mind. If you think that spiritual people can't have money, you will know why you think that. Why do you assume that for the fact that you are spiritual, you can't have money? The contrary, being spiritual and having money is best, is totally better, because you have the opportunity to help much more people if you have the money. You can mm. help uh, your loved ones to pay the rent. You can help the foundations that you want. You can help much more, more people if you have the money in your side. Do you find, like, at least for me, when it comes to not just money, but, but pretty much everything, the more I give, the more I receive. Yes. It's just that simple. If I'm stingy, you know, I just nothing, you know, I end up stagnant. But if I'm giving and I don't even have to think about it, just just give and then things will come. Yes, it's, it's up to the reflection. We always repeat that because we did that on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere. That whatever you give, it's always back to you. But we don't know why. We just read it. Oh, it's a very nice quote, but we never know why. It's because the thing that belongs to you always will be with you. When you give something to someone else, yeah, I'm giving you this physically, I'm giving you this gift, I'm giving you uh, this amount of money or this piece of cake, I'm giving you something physical, but it's a total energetical representation in there, a, a lot of symbolism. I give you, and you are like a magnet. The energy that you give in any moment will come back to you like a boomerang. Mm -hmm. but we become stronger. So uh, I always apply that same quote when someone comes to tell me something like, oh, that people is speaking bad about you or that people is saying these rumors about you. You know, people always give whatever they have. You can give something that you don't have. People who has love, they go to give you love. People who just have, have hate, they just go to manifest hate. Mm -hmm. So 
chemicals detected people say about you, this obviously will come back to them. Probably can harm you in the process, but in the end, this always will come back to them. So when you give something to someone else, this it's not the physical thing, it's not a piece of the cake, it's the symbol is that someone gives you something. You give something to someone, and this um, the representation for the universe is powerful because universe don't speak any language universe is speaking energy in vibrations in physics this is something that we learn in science and if you believe in metaphysics or if you believe in physics or if you believe in magic or if you believe in science in all of these different aspects we always say that the universe is full energy in all of these different histories we always say universe is energy so universe understand how energy works when you give your energy to someone else, this energy always will go back to you because you are the source of that energy. Then the energy will go try to come back like a boomerang. So you give something, you will receive something probably more powerful or stronger or faster, but you will receive it. Mm -hmm. How about, um, you know, and I know this is, this is true for me. When, when I was younger, I didn't have the wisdom to know what things were right for me and what things were wrong for me to try to manifest. Um, so, so sometimes, you know, I would just be inviting things in my life that I thought I wanted, but it turns out they were the worst thing for me, you know? Um, how do you avoid that pitfall in magic? I think that being focused in which exactly is the intention that you have. Because, for example, when I was, I was in the military school, when I was in the military school, I remember that I do protection spells. I do uh, spells to have very high uh, notes in the class. And when I grew up and I go finally to the college, I learned that I was doing, for example, protection spells because I feel weak. And I feel weak because I grew up in the youngest of a family with six sisters and a um, older brother, and all of, and because I, because I was the youngest, they always was forcing me to grow up very fast. And you are weak, you are so weak, you need to grow up, you need to be faster, you need to be stronger, all of these things in my mind, so I feel weak. And when I was in the middle school, I do pr protection spells because I always feel like someone will come to bully me. I do um, spells for has very high notes in classes because I don't feel smart because I was feeling like I was alone because people always um, was uh, bullying me for the way how I speak because for me the Spanish was a new language mm -hmm. so I, I was speaking very weird and I do that be, because my intention was very clear my intention was I was a, a child, very mature, so I feel weak, so I do a protection spell. I feel dumb, so I do a, a spell for education, for a different purpose, to have high notes with a less effort, because my intention was very clear. I could be stronger, probably, without doing the spell. I could be smarter if I take more time to read the books, but I don't do that. I just assume I am dumb, so I need to do this spell. And many times that happens. People, for example, they assume that if I don't have this person in my life, I never will have slow on my life. So I need to make a love spell for this person. But which is exactly your intention? Is just have this person or you want to feel loved for someone else? Oh, well, I want to feel loved. So tell me now why you need to be this person. I made this exercise because when you do uh, this kind of work, many times you receive clients 
who, who comes to you, I give you all the money that you ask me, or I need to have this person with me. Well, why exactly this person? And many times I noted that the person that someone else wants to do the love spell is someone very popular around. They are looking for that validation. Uh, for example, come this woman, and she's totally in love of the person who is obviously the boss of the office. Mm-hmm. And this other 20 women in the same office, but she wants the boss. Why she don't want the messenger or the other person who works in the water or in the copy machine, who is probably more handsome or smarter or more uh, a good person? She wants the boss because she wants the validation. She wants to be validated for everyone else. So if I conquer the boss, all the women around will respect me because I am with the stronger man in the, in the place, all of that. Her intention is not clear. So you need to be clear about what is the intention of why you are doing the spell. For example, I want to do a spell for for money. Okay, I you need to be more clear. Which is your intention in this spell? You are just looking for money because money works in many ways. Probably you do a spell for a money spell and you are in debt and you are receiving some money, but it's not enough to pay your debts. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do money spend and, the, and you lose your job the next week. And you are this uh, spell don't work like I was waiting. Uh, the money spell just trying to clean your energy, put you out of, the, of that place, so now you can look for a different job. Because you was not being very clear about which was your intention in there. Wow. So, so for example, like a money spell, does the spell end after you've created your amulet or your ritual or whatever, does it just end there? Or is there something that, that comes afterwards? Like, like say, for example, I do a spell for money, okay? And, and I'm just sitting around now in my apartment waiting for some money, not going out, not doing any work, not talking to any people, just sitting around waiting for it to fall out of the sky. Chances are I don't think I'm going to get any money. But if if I go out and just do stuff and then say somebody offers me, say it's a bad job, like, I don't know, washing a car or something like that, and and I say no, and then I go home and I wonder why I don't have any money. Well, maybe if I had washed that car, it got a little bit of money, then maybe that person would have offered me something even better to make more money. So so do these spells have to be followed by some type of action or at least awareness to be able to see where there might be other opportunities that you yes, wouldn't see uh, without the spell? Yes. First, to follow your example, it has the best one. When I come to New York, I don't, I don't have money. Uh, I don't have an uh, employer, a lawyer. I don't have anything. So I was looking how I can work and nobody wants to... Uh, I don't have permission to work in that moment. I work with my visa. So nobody can uh, give me a job. Uh, when I finally had the permission to work, I was looking and I don't speak the language. That was a new problem. Now I have the permission, but I don't speak the language. And I was all this time doing spells for that. But I mean, you do a money spell in a country that is not yours, you don't speak the language and you're not qualified for this work. How does money spell go to work? And I received many offers to do all kinds of works around, but uh, things that I don't want to do it because I was like, oh, you know, I am a publicist. I graduated from the college. I can't do this work. Uh, but then I just accepted. I accepted the proposal and I want to work like this washer. This was the worst experience of my life. 
But after the first week, I, when I was crying in the bathroom because I can't literally with the pain of my hands, I, I received my, my paycheck and I, I see so much money there. I was like, wow. The, in some way, the money spent really worse because this was one of those jobs that you are not looking for. I, I say no to a lot of words, no and no and no and no. And when they're just walking for the streets and I see the, this restaurant, they say that they are opening very, very soon. I come uh, to speak with the owner and they say, okay, you, you can work here. We will to train you because the place is very new. Uh, we pay very, very good. And I was like, okay. And uh, was a casualty that I passed for that day when they were like a week before to open. And when they started to pay me, it was like, wow, literally, I never made so much money in my country in a year in publicis and working for two agencies like I, I did here for just for one week. So the money is really worse. Not what I was expecting, but really works very well. I, I mean, I can pay the whole rent of a month with just half of my week. And I tolerate that work for a whole year. Now, uh, the spells work in this world. When you cast a spell, you are using all the symbolism. But you try to represent uh, everything in a ritual. The ritual, when you, when you cast a ritual, you need to clarify your mind that the ritual is a, sim, is a whole symbolism of yourself. You are the ritual. The candles that you put in the, in the altar, all of these represent you. Uh, the incense, the fire, the water, the elements, is to that you put in different directions to represent the elements around you is to represent literally that, the elements that are around you in the city or in the town or in the mountain. You are the ritual. So everything that you cast in the spell is to bring some kind of a specific energy around you. So you make this spell with green candles to represent you or golden candles for treasures and money or red candles to activate the energy. You put all your elements, your oils, airs, flowers, whatever is the kind of money that you prefer to use. You create all of this spell work and all of these symbols represent something. The universe will understand the language of the symbols and will try to unify all of this energy around you. This will start to manifest in different ways. And after some time, if you feel that you need like another push on the spell, you can recharge the spell. You can do the spell again, or you can try to represent a recharge of the spell like a battery. You need to recharge from time to time. Like that's the good thing with amulets. I like to do amulets because you always have the spell cast in there, so give you some security, like charm bags or, or talisman that you have with you, like a pentacle. You have this amulet with you, and this has all the energy. And every time that you take the amulet in your hands, you are putting all your energy again in there. That's a very nice way to do magic. But for example, you don't want to do a talisman. You want to do these more ethereal spells with circles and chants and music and everything else. You try to represent yourself in the spell and this go to work for you because you did the spell. For example, you want to do a money spell for, for a friend that is someone that is not you or for a loved one. You put a pictures or hate of this person in the space, so you will channel the energy of this another person. When someone is very new in magic, I always recommend to them, don't be afraid to um, be creative. Mm -hmm. So for example, I am very new in magic, I 
need to do this spell work for money and abundance and prosperity because my life is a disaster. Perfect. Uh, you are new here, but cast your circle with sal, and which is the symbol of the coin in your country? Is the dollar, is the bolivar, is euros? Try to draw a symbol with the same sal around the circle, inside and outside, and draw some arrows, and draw your name around them. If you have some bits and coins, draw in there. And try to put some candles. I don't have money for red candles. Perfect. Use to white. It's okay. Uh, put some incense. I don't have money for incense. Okay. Take a piece of paper, put some olive oil in there, and burn the paper. Try to be creative. Don't, you don't need to be expensive in the spell. Just try to do your best. That's the intention. You will try to do your best. You will feel comfortable doing your best. You cast the, all, all the spell in there. You, you pray to your guides or the spirits or gods or orishas with whoever you feel more comfortable. You pray, you put your energy in there, you are very um, conscient about the intention of your spell working. Okay, I'm doing this spell working because I need a job or I need a better job or I want to keep my job but I want a better position or I want to have a better relationship uh, with the money that I'm receiving. I want to feel that like the money is not left in me over every time that I receive it. Or I want to have a better relationship with my colleagues in the world and with my boss. You cast very clear your intention. If you are very in meditation, perfect. If you feel that you can sit down and just focus your mind for 15 minutes, write down all your intentions in paper and burn the paper. In that way, that is very magical, when you burn a paper without wishing there or with any desire, you are manifesting that energy to the universe. You are sending the wish is broadcasting to the universe. And the universe will understand the language because it's important to remember that when we speak about the universe, the universe is not a person sit down in a, thr in a throne uh, listening to you with headphones right. speaking your language. It's the whole universe. We're speaking about the stars, about the galaxies, about planets. And he needs to understand all the language in there. He needs to understand the colors, the symbols, the intention that he put in there. And with all of that, you can cast a very nice spell in a very cheapy way from your home with all your intentions very clear to manifest money in your life. Hmm. So, um, one with is it your perspective? Like you mentioned, like the universe and things like that. Do you think that 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 people create their own reality with their intention? Or do you think that um, reality is something that's external that people have to work with? That's an interesting topic because I, I like, I would like to believe that aspect that is very new, new age about everyone creates their own reality. But at the same time, we are all sharing our reality. And also, in, I believe in science, and in science, time is relative, and the space is time, so time and space is relative. So it's very weird, feels like I am casting a whole reality for myself, but everyone else is local, around. Like, I'm not affecting them, but in the end of the day, whatever you do, affect someone else. If you do, for example, in a very responsible way, you do, you force a spell to receive this job that is probably better for someone else, but you want so much this job and you have this other opportunity, but you want so much this job and you receive this job and you take this opportunity from someone else, you are affecting someone else. So you are 
having a better reality, a better expectation of your reality, but at the same time you are affecting someone else. Mm -hmm. So I like to think on that, but also I like to uh, remember that in some way I'm casting my own reality when I'm doing something because it's like the filters of, of Instagram when you put a filter in a in a photo, in a picture, mm -hmm. uh, and you have we have uh, you know we have all of these uh, filters for different occasions with flowers and the stuff. I like to think, and I say that uh, to my partner many times, uh, when something happens, something very wrong in your world, try to see with the filter, try to see with a different filter. Oh, my boss is a horrible person. He's saying this horrible thing to me and he's yelling to me all day. Okay, just change the filter. Oh, my boss is just stressful. Mm -hmm. He's having a hard time. Probably is having a horrible time with his wife in, in home and with his children. Probably not, it's not that he's sleeping well. And he feels weak in this moment. And he, and he is looking for validation. He's looking for a feel strong because he's the boss. Just change the filter and you will see that how this don't affect you. I know that sounds a little weird, a little too emotionalistic, but I put that in practice and works very well for me. Because when you're an immigrant in, in your life can be very hard, especially this mm -hmm. last four years was pretty hard. try <laughs> to just change the filter. Oh, is this happening again with migration? Okay, okay. Let me try to see it from a different perspective. Oh, we don't have the money for pay this in this moment. Okay, let me try to change the perspective. Okay, I don't have the money in this moment for pay this, but I will have it next week. It's okay. It's the same thing. I just changed the mindset in there. Mm -hmm. How about uh, demonic spirits? Do you think that demonic spirits are actually evil spirits? Or are they a manifestation of our own negative thinking? Or is it just a force of nature um, that we don't really understand and don't know how to utilize properly? I think that we understand them, but we try to make the equation more difficult. I think that they are there. It's like, it's like the trees. I mean, it's a tree, but you can difficult that and, and say, oh, but it's not just a tree. It's this very specific kind of tree with all of this history, but it's a tree. We try to difficult that information. I don't, it's not in my belief the demonic spirits because I'm not a uh, Christian or Catholic. I don't grow up in that. So uh, I continue saying that that is pretty new for me because every time that someone may send a comment about it, it's like, uh, I feel like I don't have that information. Mm -hmm. uh, so demons is not something that with, with which I grow up. I started to uh, listen to that word like when I has. When I started in the school and people started to speak about demons, and I was like, what, what is that? And they give me an explanation about Lucifer and about God, and he created the world in seven days, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so nice, so fast. Uh, but I couldn't feel that weird, and I'm not trying to uh, say nothing bad about any religion, but in my years of practice, I never find something like that. I find bad spirits. I find... Uh, Evil spirits who works very bad, made very bad things uh, many times. Uh, that's mostly the work of my mom. Most of her clients are people who have this kind of troubles in, in their life with spirits, with uh, possession, these kind of things, and she assists them. And so I know that bad spirits really exist. 
I'm not sure how works the manifestation of our themes, but we have something similar uh, in Amazon that, that we said that we have something, we call, we call them hadas, that is how we call in Spanish fairies. So it's confusing because we have two types of hadas, hadas the fairies and hadas the spirits. Hadas the spirits, some kind of spirit who live in the trees, in the, in the woods, uh, who are people who when they die, they were very frustrated, very, very uh, mad, or very sad, or, or they may decide. And these others, they, because they died being traumatized, they pass away being traumatized. Mm -hmm. And because they're traumatized, they continue um, exhorting others to the same. They, they continue traumatizing people, trying to bring fear and these kind of things. And when you feel depressed or sad, we believe that they take this energy, you feed them, and they can like take a physical form in our reality or playing or in our place. So I'm not sure if that is some kind of manifestation, maybe it is. It's the one manifestation of space that I know. Um, I don't know too much about demon spirits. I, I read many books about it. Actually, I was reading this book. Uh, I am very fan of San Cyprian, um, the King Salomon. Right. They about them very nice. Uh, I tried when I was in middle school. I tried many times with, with my with my uh, friends do this ritual, you know, demonic stuff because we are very cool. Um, I'm honest. Never, I never was in presence of a demon or something that I can uh, say that was a demon. I was in the presence many times of bad spirits very bad spirits. Many times I conjured something that I was like running to my mom. Mom, you know, I, I did this, so I need your help now. Crying. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, my, my worst moment, my, my less bravery moment in my life. Mom, you know, I was doing this spell that you has in your book. You know, in my book, yeah. But in not a fact, you know, you know this spell? Uh, and this spirit that you say in the book, don't conjure this spirit, well, you know what happens? And uh, um, I had this very bad experience many times. I was in this presence, so with the time I started to recognize different presence when they are close, oh, I feel this, or oh, it's a bad spirit, I feel this, uh, something like a good spirit, uh, because you feel like some emotions in there, you feel the sadness, you feel the fear, you feel sometimes uh, that they are traumatized, and they can't pass from that age, from that moment. Uh, but after that, I don't feel something that, like, that I can say, oh, this is a demon. I never was in person of something so strange or powerful that I can say that. I was one time present in a ritual where this person, was, where all of them was dressed in white and with, um, they had some things in gold and they was conjuring some kind of angel and anti-angel or something like that. And was one of the most weird experiences that I have because I feel something very, very weird that I can't explain in words. Was like I was in a dream, but I was awakening in the place. I remember that experience very clear, but I never was in presence of something like a demon. So I'm not very qualified to speak about it because probably they exist and they don't like me, so they never present in front of me. But I, I, I don't know too much about it. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know a little bit, though. <laughs> At least with some kind of things that you shouldn't have been messing with as a kid. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I, I, it's I, never I, a good idea to leave a book around that says, don't try this with a kid. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I see I, I my friends are always like, oh, you have a this because, you know, we, we were like in the closet of the brooms. We, we were reading about witchcraft and magic totally alone. We, we don't have uh, the books. So accessible. I have it. I have all the books in my home. So I have a DC. Probably if I grow up in a different system, in a different country, in a different place, probably I don't have the bravery of you to come mm -hmm. out of the closet. Probably I, for me, was the thing that everybody does at home. Uh, but my mom has all of this collection of books. Uh, she was like, my mom is very hard when it's about witchcraft and magic. She's like, because that's the money for the family. That is what feeds people in family, so you need to learn very fast. I was starting to read tarot cards when I was like nine. So she forced us to grow up and learn these things very fast. And she has so many books about it, but many times we are attracted for this book that, you know, she literally says, don't touch this book. <laughs> My brain works in a different way, like, oh, she wants that I take the book, probably uh, something. Yeah. And I made so many experiments. I take everything from these books. I memorize the symbols and the names. I was, I remember that I was like, oh, if I take the book for the school, she will note it. So it's easier if I memorize the spell. So I try to memorize everything. So I try to do the conjuring. I try to do them, the, some, something like a Ouija that we do, but with coins. We throw, uh, we draw the, the letters and the numbers in the coins and we make a circle with the coins and you touch the coins and you feel some static or energy with the coins. So you move the coins that you feel weird and you go creating all the, all the words with that. I do all of these things that she says, don't do that. And after that, I see all many kind of things happening around. It was like, Mom, I need your help again, you know. <laughs> and she's not like me. She's not diplomatic. She's not kind. Mm. I'm more like, oh, no, it's a bad spirit. We need to try to heal the spirit, find the trauma behind the spirit, try to give him a way to part off. My mom is more like, no, I don't go to do that. I just go to destroy that thing. And she is trying to throw garlic and essence and oils around. She don't have time for that. <laughs> Your mom sounds pretty cool, though. She's pretty cool. Very, 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 very. She's, she's amazing. She's like a force of nature. That you don't know how you can control her. You want what you can't. But she knows a lot. She she She's this kind of uh, amazing person that I in in I always say to her in motherhood you are like and your skills are like mm. but in witchcraft she's very respectable and she's that kind of person who make everything that she finds in the books mm -hmm. and she don't believe too much in control appropriation or other things if she find them and this works she go to use it mm -hmm. and if don't work she's like okay this don't work throw that book that, that don't work for me. She's always learning the stuff. She has like, uh, she's very close of her um, 70s. Wow. And I call her and she continues learning. And she's fascinated. She is, it's great because when she speaks about witchcraft, she's been like, she's a child who continues being surprised. Oh, you know, I was yesterday with this experiment and I think that don't work. So I want to try to change it in this way to see how this works. What do you know about it? And 
you can keep very deep, very deep conversations with her about this kind of thing, and she can pass hours speaking about it. Have you ever considered writing a book with her magic in it? I I joke about it uh, months ago in Facebook. I say one time, uh, I don't remember the post, uh, but it's in my Facebook wall. I say one day I will, I promise that one day I will write a book about all the things that I learned from my mom and my grandma. And I go to let that every publisher fight for hours trying to identify which kind of magic it is. <laughs> it's not for magic, it's not voodoo, it's not food, it's none of these things. She, she's a blend of many things because she she's a woman. She's very white. This is the first thing. She's very, very white. She's more white than me, and she grew up in the tribe. Mm -hmm. So people bully her from very child because my grandma has many husbands. She has many. And she has many children with many husbands. But most of her husbands were, uh, were uh, black people, natives. So all my uncles look different. And my mom is white and is blonde. And very, very white. Incredible. You, you look at her and you think that she's American. And she, she always feel like, oh, because I'm a woman or I am different, people will treat me in a different way. So she was always trying to break the rules. So when we go out of the drive and we were in the, in the city, she was like, oh, which is the kind of mind that people is practicing? Oh, people is practicing uh, spiritually. So she initiated in there. She practiced for years. After that, she started in the, in the metaphysical school where she put me when I was uh, older. Uh, when she find uh, Paloma Yombe, she was initiating Paloma Yombe too. And everybody was like, oh, this is a very hard tradition. You know, it's very hard. It's very complicated. And she was like, I can do it. And she does. Then she was initiating Umbanda. Then she was trying to look for Lucumi. So she traveled to Cuba to be initiated in Santeria and go back to Venezuela. And she continued in that path. She continued doing initiations and learning and keeping secrets and formulating magic and casting different spells. <laughs> like, wow. She sounds awesome. <laughs> Does she live in the United States now or is she still? No, she lives in Venezuela. All my family lives in there. Yeah. So, so you're the only one in your family that lives here? Sorry? You're the only member of your family that lives in the United States? Exactly. Exactly. I am the one. Do you ever go back and visit? I can for political reasons because my country don't want me. So, <laughs> so we have some this very nice ads around the airport because I'm not welcome there. Uh, so it's okay. Hmm. I am being adopted for the United States. <laughs> You're always welcome here. Yeah. That's great. Um, so before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you and find your book? Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, Twitter, uh, because my English is very weird and my pronunciation probably is. Uh, I don't want to say to tell you how is my name is uh, writing, so look in the profile of the podcast, please. And uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. And for my book, uh, look on my profile and you will find the link, Manifestation Magic. It's available everywhere books and ebooks are sold and probably very soon in audiobook too. Okay, so if you email me those links to your Instagram, and, yes. um, and I'll post those in the notes of this episode so my listeners can get in touch with you. Um, 
you know, if they're, if they're interested in reading, you know, using your services or anything like that. And I will also post a link to your book on Amazon so they can buy your book also. Thank you. Awesome. Then thank you for taking the time to talk with me. This was great. You're fascinating. Thanks to you for inviting me. Nobody invited me to these things. It's very, very cool. <laughs> we should do it again. We definitely should. Yeah, absolutely. Now hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.